I was self-motivated, I always, coming from where I came from, I never wanted to be a statistic in, you know, in my head. That's kind of always what drove me, is that I never wanted to, people to look at me and say, you know, oh, there goes that black girl who is pregnant, has a baby, she's not going to do anything with herself. So that is kind of what drove me. And then the fact that, you know, I knew I was really, really, really smart. And all the people who had, I'm going to get emotional, all the people who had believed in me, you know, for all of those years and who helped me to get a full, I had a full academic scholarship to Penn State in the 11th grade. So that in of itself was an accomplishment. So I had all those people behind me who had pushed me and believed in me. And so I didn't want to let people down and I didn't want them to say, oh, look, she turned out to be nothing. Welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show, which highlights women who are balancing demanding careers with a healthy lifestyle and hurtling over personal and professional obstacles. Each week, I have a sister-to-sister chat with an inspiring go-getter, and listeners learn how good things come to those who sweat. Since starting FBF Fitness, Zakia has become a certified personal trainer, weight loss coach, and entrepreneur. She is focused on spreading her love of life, fitness, and health in a way that empowers everyone she comes in contact with to be great. I can't. Right. (laughs) Wow. Seriously, 20? 20 tomorrow. So that's what's what's been going on. And then baby just started her, um, her running program today. Um, oh. called Girls on the Move. So they're training for a 5K. I love that. Oh my gosh, Girls on the Move. So I have to hear all of this. Wait a minute. This is like, I guess the podcast might be starting. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So we have so much to talk about. Right. We got a lot to talk about. All right. Let's start off with Girls on the Move because this is really interesting and exciting because obviously I adore your, your daughter. She's so cute. She looks just like you. Um, so tell me what inspired her to start um, this. I, I guess me. Um, <laughs> and her seeing me, you know, always active and she likes to run. I'm, I'm a horrible runner. Um, but, you know, I've put her on the treadmill several times and, told her, you know, how to breathe and how to get her stride together. Cause even though I hate running, I can run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to be a runner so bad. Like I envy people who can run. It's always been one of my like goals in life, but my body just says, Hey, no, it's not for you. Um, <laughs> so hopefully she can be the runner and I can live vicariously through her. Well, I'm sure you have been such a huge inspiration for her, for sure. So whether you run or not, you definitely inspired her to do this. I know you did. Okay. Yes, she's excited about it. We got her all, her all her equipment yesterday, running shoes, sports bras. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. Okay, so tell me, where do you shop for sports bras for your little one? So, um, I wound up going to Marshall's yesterday because believe it or not, and I don't know if this is TMI, but, um, my daughter's 11 and she's a 34 C. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So, um, she's not in, you know, like Target had the, you know, how Target has their cute little, um, you know, active wear section for girls. Uh Uh-huh. 
they had cute little matching sports bras that went with every little outfit. And I was like, nah, that's not going to work. <laughs> so, so she yeah. has sweet. She has the breast size that I dream of. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yo, I swear like every day I look at her, I'm like, yo, they just keep getting. <laughs> oh my gosh. She's going to be like, mom, thanks. Thanks. Right. And then like the run test, um, like I had to put her through the run test yesterday. I'm like, okay, run up and down the dressing room to see if they're staying in. Like, I'm like, are they moving? Are they She's like, they're good. <laughs> okay. Oh the run test. Well, a lot of people ask this question all the time who are in a sweat sisterhood who tend to be on the bustier side. They're, they're just really struggling with finding sports bras to work for them. Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions or recommendations for them? Well, you know who has really, really good sports bras? Old Navy. Yeah. Old Navy? Yes. Old Navy has amazing sports bras. And I remember a couple years ago, um, I was out shopping, you know, for my active wear as I do, because that's all I wear. And, um, I tried their sports bras on and I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like it was full coverage. It had like the racer back situation going on in the back, which, you know, holds everything up. It was like high cut. So everything was kind of tucked in. So yeah, Old Navy has good sports bras. Um, also Victoria's Secret surprisingly has good sports bras as well for bustier women. Okay. All right. And then Nike. So, and Nike. Yeah. I'll pass it along. Okay. All right. So we were talking about your daughter, which made me think about you as a child. So let's really dive into that. What was your upbringing like? Okay. So I have a very, um, I want to say unique kind of story as far as my upbringing is concerned. I was raised in three different areas. So, um, I was born in Chester, Pennsylvania, which is a city right outside of Philadelphia. Um, it's, it's urban, a hood per se. Um, a lot of drugs, death, violence, um, here. And at the age of nine, my mother sent me to boarding school in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, so I went to boarding school from the age of nine to the age of 16 and I was raised in rural Hershey PA by, um, Caucasians. <laughs> you, were like by, you were like by colonizers. <laughs> by colonizers. I was trying to like me. I was like by white people. I don't know. Um, but I guess, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, everything that I learned as far as um, just how to be a young lady, I was taught by them. I wasn't taught by um, my mother or my family because I went to boarding school when I was in fifth grade and I was there until I was in 12th grade. So those formative years of, um, you know, adolescence, teenagers and all, you know, all of those things that we go through, I was there. Um, and also I spent time back and forth um, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Conway, um, which is where my father's family is from. So, you know, I literally have the blessing of being brought up in the hood, the country, and the suburbs. So I can kind of like fit anywhere. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I like that. You got to have that diversity. Now that explains a lot about your personality. (laughs) Yes. Very, very diverse because, you know, I went to boarding school and I grew up with people of all races, um, learned a lot of things, went a lot of places, had 
so many different opportunities. And that's where I became active. And it's funny because I was just thinking about this yesterday um, when I was going to pick my daughter up from school. And, you know, when I was in school, I was in band and played instruments from the time I was nine until high school. And I was like, you know, I was happy that my daughter has this running program because here they don't have a lot of, you know, opportunities for kids to explore outside of their norm. And so that's the one thing I do appreciate about going to boarding school is that I was able to try any and everything that I wanted to. Hmm. And what are some of you, you named a few things that you tried? Um, what which one of those things like just really stood out to you the most or got you the most excited? Everything. The funny part is, is you know how somebody's kind of like a jack of all trades. Uh-huh. Um, I'm I'm a jack of all trades. Uh-huh. So like literally, you know, I was a um, I was in track. I couldn't run, but I was amazing at long jump. So I found my niche. Um, I long jump weights is what they call it in track. So long jump, javelin, shot put, all of that. Um, I was a cheerleader for seven years. Um, varsity cheerleading. I was in band, jazz band. Um, I played the saxophone for seven years. <laughs> um, I, what else? We had TV production. So I did TV production. We had like our own little TV show. What else? Like every, like everything that we could try, they allowed us to try. And I was good at all of it. Wow. So, um, you know, but the things that I guess would say stood out to me is that I love, I love track. Uh, I love cheerleading. And I love band. Mm. So those are my three. Oh, and I was a competitive swimmer in middle school. Too. Get out. Like, what did yes. you not do? <laughs> yes. Like I said, it was amazing because they really let us do everything. I tried field hockey, but I wasn't really good at that. So that kind of like, <laughs> kept going. but they, they gave us the opportunity to try everything. And so I did. And oh, I found so, what I loved. So you must have been pretty popular. Uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, how did you fit in amongst your friends? Well, you know, it, it's funny because I always have this story. So I was always the cute fat girl in school. Um, and I I always think back of like traumatic experiences. But when I really think about it, I was really popular in school. Um, but I had about two or three traumatic experiences that kind of made me feel like, oh, my God, everybody's picking on me because of my weight. But you know how we tell ourselves things? And I always say feelings. Feelings are not facts. Mm-hmm. And I got that from my leak. Um, I felt that people judged me, made fun of me. But in actuality, it was those two or three experiences that kind of shaped how I felt about everybody. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of admit to myself, I was like, it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> so, um, you know, I fit in very well. I was always the outgoing person. I remember I met my best friend in eighth grade and I literally walked up to her. I was like, you're going to be my friend. Mm-hmm. And we've been friend for 20, friends for 25 years. Um so that gives you a little sense of my personality is that I was very outgoing, was in a lot of activities um, and just always wanted to have a good time. Mm. Now, was there a teacher or a favorite coach that really helped you uh, while you were in school? Uh, yes. Uh, Mr. Webster. <laughs> he was our social studies teacher um, in eighth grade. He actually still teaches there. And Coach Galloway um, was our track teacher. Both of them were our track teachers. Coach Galloway was my English teacher. And he 
instilled in me the love of reading Mm. and we had to we had to memorize that uh poem excuses are tools of incompetence so I always remember that from him when I was in school and Mr. Webster was our social studies teacher and they were really our only two black teachers as well so again I went to school in rural Hershey Pennsylvania is like right outside of Dutch country Mm -hmm. so the blacks at the school were the minority. So of course we gravitated to things that felt comfortable to us, which were our black teachers. Um, So yeah, they were our favorite teachers. They were my favorite teachers and pretty much everybody else's. (laughs) (laughs) And and when did you make the decision to go to Temple University? When I, (laughs) so the story is um, I left boarding school when I was 17 before I graduated and when I left boarding school, I had a full scholarship to Penn State, actually, mm-hmm. an academic scholarship. When I, I got my academic scholarship when I was in 11th grade. Um, I had a full ride to Penn State, and then I got pregnant mm-hmm. with my son before I could get a chance to go to college. And so once I got, once I had my son, Temple was the closest university to me. So that's where I decided to go. <laughs> wow. And what was your major? Education and math. Okay. So how powerful was that? You didn't give up on yourself and you still went to pretty amazing (laughs) university um, regardless. So tell me like, what gave you that strength or that push? Was it someone in your life that was like, you know, this is just a blessing. It's not a distraction. Like you could still reach all of your goals or did you just, were you self-motivated? I was self-motivated. I always coming from where I came from, I never wanted to be a statistic in, you know, in my head. That's kind of always what drove me is that I never wanted to, people to look at me and say, you know, oh, there goes that black girl who is pregnant, has a baby. She's not going to do anything with herself. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of what drove me. And then the fact that, you know, I knew I was really, really, really smart and all the people who had, I'm going to get emotional, all the people who had believed in me you know, for all of those years and who helped me to get a full, I had a full academic scholarship to Penn state in the 11th grade. Mm-hmm. So that in of itself was an accomplishment. So I had all those people behind me who had pushed me and believed in me. And so I didn't want to let people down and I didn't want them to say, Oh, look, she turned out to be nothing. And so that's kind of what motivated me. And, you know, I lost my scholarship and I had to pay my way through school myself. (laughs) Wow. 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 That is inspiring because. Wow. (laughs) Think about that. I mean, really, when you sit back and think about that, you kind of like that's like a your life flashing before your your eyes, you know, kind of moment because you're like, wow, this is going to be an an easier situation for me. It's not as right. Not only am I a mom, but now I have to figure out how I'm going to be financially responsible for my education and my child. And a child. Exactly. But you figured it out, though. I did. Wow. I did. That's incredible. Okay. So you're a freshman, you're on campus. It's a scary time for you because you got a lot of responsibilities. So what did you hope to get out of college once you graduated? I just wanted to be able to take care of my son. Um, And the crazy part about it was, is that, you know, I literally worked my whole way through college. I didn't have the college experience. I didn't get a chance to stay on campus. Um, I had a 
one-year-old and then his father was also in prison. So Mm -hmm. I was doing it with just myself and the help of my son's grandparents. Yeah. And so literally I would work all day, go to class. You know, there would be nights where I wouldn't pick my son up until about 10 o'clock at night from his grandparents' house. And he used to like sit in the window and like wait for me. And when he saw me pull up, he would be like, Zakia, Zakia. (laughs) Um, And he would like wait for me to come and pick him up from school. I mean, from his grandparents' house when I would get done work or get done school. You know, I tell people all the time, like, I used to work as a gas station attendant. I used to work as one of those people, and they don't do this anymore, but I used to work as one of those people who got people to sign up for credit cards. Um, And it was like a dollar an application. Uh (laughs) And we would like sit in malls. You know what I'm saying? Like Uh sit in malls, sit on college campuses. I know y'all. Y'all giving away free pizzas and t-shirts or credit cards. Y'all got me. Y'all got me. (laughs) Like anything that I could do to make money, those it was, and the crazy part was it wasn't even like a whole year um it was like right after I had my son and then I got hired at HSBC um like towards the end so I turned 19 right before I had my son my birthday's in January and my son's birthday is in February so I literally had just turned 19 almost a month before giving birth to him And so that whole year, I was just doing whatever I could do. You know, like right after I was able to work, I was doing it. And so then kind of like right before he turned one is when I got hired by HSBC. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked there for 11 years. So that was kind of like my saving grace. And that helped me pay my way through college. And so, you know, when I, I just wanted to be able to take care of my son. Like that's all I wanted to be able to do is take care of my son and have him not ever want for anything. Mm. So that was your first official job. Like, what did, what did you do to get it? Like, what exactly did you say or do to win them over? I don't even remember. It was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew I wanted this job. And at the time, I think they were paying like $12 an hour. And so, like, you know, back in 1990, how what years? 96. So I'm not yeah. uh, and $12 an hour was it. Like, I thought that was like, this is the best job ever. Um, and so I don't know what I said to them or what I did, but I know once I started working there, um, I was promoted to a supervisor within two years. Um, because I'm kind of amazing. And, it's, and I, I hate to say that about myself, but I am. And you I should. think more people should say that about yes. themselves. Yeah, um, they should. You know, I was, I started working at the job when I was 19. By the age of 21, I was promoted to supervisor and I worked in customer service. Um, and, and the funny part about it is I talk about this all the time is how that job set me up for owning my own business. Because when I tell you my customer service skills are superb is because I worked 11 years as a customer service manager. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I was promoted. And then by the time I left, I was making over 20 something dollars an hour, but like $25 an hour. Oh, <laughs> um, but, and I worked there and I worked my way through college at that job. And even when I graduated from college and I started teaching, I never quit that job. Like they had to, I was like, you're going to have to throw me out of this building. <laughs> Cause it was like, it was one of the best jobs that I ever have I had. I loved everybody there. And, you know, at the time I was in my twenties and I'm making full-time salary working a part-time job. And it wasn't even a job. It was a career. What many yeah. people call a career. Um, mm-hmm. So I had two careers. I graduated from college in 2003. 
and I started teaching full time. And then the bank was so flexible that they allowed me to work on the weekends. So I literally worked seven days a week for 11 years. Okay. Okay. And you were a mother at the same time. Did you sleep? I'm like, did you sleep? Um, you know, you know how you finagle the system sometimes. I was queen of, you know, I got two more call outs. <laughs> how I'm going to make this work. Um, yeah. but I did my job and I did my job very well. So, you know, they compensated me accordingly and I, I just did everything that I was supposed to do. Like I would literally, and then I still had a life at the same time. Like I would literally go out and, um, go to work at like, I would go out at night and get home at like four o'clock in the morning and have to be at work at 7am and yeah. I would do it. Like, <laughs> and still take care of myself. And yeah. then the thing is, is that once I was in school, my, my son's grandparents and my grandparents, they, um, my mom, they always would keep my son on the weekend. So I never had to worry about having a babysitter ever. Oh, like even cool. now to this day, I can be like, yo, I have to take a flight tomorrow. And they're like, okay, <laughs> that's good you gotta man the parentals always come through yes time. the parentals are yeah. amazing uh, they like they uh, i say it all the time without them i don't know what i would have done mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. they held me down all those years so wait you're making a great hourly wage at the bank and then you decide mm-hmm. to become a teacher what <laughs> what made you like do that <laughs> I wanted to become a teacher because I wanted people who look like me and I'm going to get emotional again. I wanted little girls from the hood and little boys, little black boys and little black girls to know that you could be successful no matter what your circumstances were Mm -hmm. and no matter what you look like. Because by the time I had graduated from school, let's look at it. You know, I had lost my scholarship to school. I had a child. My son's father was incarcerated um, for attempted murder for six to, he got a six to eight year sentence. So here I am 19 years old with a baby from the hood, every odd stacked against me. And I still was able to work my way through school, have two careers, make six figures by the time I was 24 and, you know, I wanted them to see that. Yeah. So that's why I became a teacher. I'm so glad you did. Wow. That made me a little emotional. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what um, was the biggest risk you've ever taken for your career? The biggest risk I've ever taken was um, retiring four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> And leaving it all behind, leaving the security behind Uh and becoming an entrepreneur. So, you know, another part of my story is eight years ago, I was diagnosed with a brain disorder called Chiari malformation. And I started to get really, really bad headaches. And, you know, I went to the doctor, went to several doctors, and then finally went to a doctor who would give me an MRI because I was like, you know, something's wrong with me. I keep having these headaches. I was getting dizzy. Um, I just wasn't feeling well. And so wound up going to a doctor, they gave me an MRI and he's like, this is why you're having these headaches. And so basically Chiari malformation is when your cerebellum and your brain dips too far into your spinal cord. Mm -hmm. 
And so it causes you to have headaches. It causes, you know, all types of different side effects. Like my memory is shot. Um, I used to stutter for a while. Um, balance uh, is messed up. My cognition is messed up. Um, just a lot of different side effects. Um, insomnia, depression, because it's, it's your neurological system. Uh-huh. So I was... Um, I was working, but I was sick often. I would, I would have like migraines for so long and I wouldn't be able to work. So I would be out on medical leave. And now mind you, by this time I have two children. Um, my daughter was born in 2006. Okay. Um, and so I think I was diagnosed around like 2001. I mean, 2010, somewhere around there, sorry, 2010 um, is when all of these things started to happen to me. And um, so I'm working. And of course, I have to keep my medical benefits because I'm always at the doctor. I'm always sick. And um, I have two children who need their medical benefits as well. So I never wanted to that security of leaving. You know, I had started fuck being fat. In the midst of, sorry, am I, I didn't mean to say that. FBS is it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can say it. I mean, that's the name, so it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> right. I had started FBF Fitness, and um, while I was still teaching because I was trying to get off my meds. And so that's the story of FBF. So I was diagnosed with a brain disorder. I was on a whole bunch of medication, and I wanted to get off of my meds. And so I looked at diet and exercise as a way to heal myself. And so I had started doing all of that on my own and, um, and then, you know, I start, I was like, okay, I'm doing these things. I lost all this weight. I want to help other people do it as well. And so that's when I started the fuck being fat challenge and Mm -hmm. we started the challenge and then people wanted the t-shirts. And so we started the apparel and I was still teaching at the time. And, you know, business was okay, but it wasn't like enough to support me and my kids. And, you know, it got towards the end of the, you know, like towards the end of right before I was about to retire and, um, and the school district, I was in and out of work again, because I was still, um, having headaches and working and doing all of these things. And the district said, you either have to retire or you have to work full time. And my doctor had already said, you know, she cannot work. She cannot work full time. Um, My my uh, symptoms are brought are triggered by stress. So, you know, being a teacher in the hood of West Philadelphia is very stressful. So, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, I will always be sick and have headaches. So, you know, I would literally have migraines for two weeks at a time. Um, and so literally I was out for about two months. I came to work and my principal said, you know, I was sitting in the office with one of my coworkers and my principal said, you're going to have to go and work third grade. Now, mind you, my whole teaching career, I had taught for 11 years. I don't like little kids. (laughs) (laughs) They're just not my thing. They're not who I'm trying to reach. They're not my target demographic. (laughs) Um, So, you know, my whole career I had taught middle school because, again, middle school years are the formative years for children. And I always wanted to focus on middle school kids. And so when he was like, no, we're going to give you a third grade class, I literally, I was like, get my retirement paperwork together. 
I'm coming down and I'm signing it. I'm leaving. (laughs) When I went to work that day, I had not planned to retire. Now, I had already went through like the retirement process just as a, you know, to see what the option was. Um, So I had already had my meetings with downtown and all of that good stuff and already like, you know, sat and said, okay, well, this is what's going to happen if you retire. And this is what's going to happen if you don't retire. So I was like, F it. Like, I'm out of here. It's, it's not worth it anymore. You know, I'm ki- I'm basically killing myself trying to stay here. Um, and that was March 14th of, uh, I can't remember. <laughs> it's my brain disorder. Um, that was March 15th, 14th. I just remember it was March. And okay. I literally went downstairs. I signed my paperwork. I walked out the building and I went and bought myself a bottle of champagne. And I took myself to lunch. <laughs> And that was the biggest because I had contemplated it for so long and I was like, I'm sick. What am I going to do? How am I going to go to the doctors? What are my kids going to do? And literally, you know, when you have insurance, you have until the end of the month for your insurance to run out. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I literally got all my medications filled, took my kids to all the doctor's appointments they need, (laughs) got all their prescriptions filled before March, before the end of March, you know, before April 1st, I did everything I could um, to make sure that we were cool. And I really just stepped out on faith. And I said, you know, God's going to, you know, God's going to hold me down or I'm going to fall flat on my face. And thank God that, you know, God held me down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I legit, the, the funny part about it is I retired in March and now mind you, before this, I was in and out of the hospital all the time. I was constantly at the doctor, everything from March until October of that year. I did not get sick at all. Wow. See? Wow. And I didn't get new insurance until October. So literally God sustained me that whole time um, to not be ill, to not need any insurance. And then it's funny because as soon as I got insurance, guess who was right? (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, I don't care now. I have insurance. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, that that was my biggest, that was my biggest leap. Oh, okay. And so you became an entrepreneur and it's something that so many people, especially women of color want to do. This is their dream. So what Mm -hmm. were some of your challenges that maybe you can forewarn (laughs) these aspiring entrepreneurs about? Um, well, one of my biggest challenges and has been for the last six years is, (laughs) Uh, retention of employees, <laughs> um, especially in the world of social media. Mm-hmm. I find that people, they don't really want to work. Mm-hmm. They want to be a part of the social media. And I'm not going to say fame, but the, the social media popularity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they don't really want to work. They want to be my friend and I need you to work. It's a completely, there's two different things because, you know, behind the scenes, it's not all pretty posts and events and, you know, those things don't always happen. Like there's days where I literally just sit in the office all day. Uh Um, So that was one of the biggest challenges. And then also because, you know, I never set out to own a business. I knew nothing about business. My formal education is in education. 
So, you know, I, I knew that I was smart. I knew that I was funny. I knew that I was personable. Um, I knew that I had amazing customer service skills and that's kind of what won over my tribe and my FBF family, so to say. Um, but every day I'm still learning the business aspect of it. So, you know, but I don't think that people should wait until they learn that. I think that, you know, it's definitely something that you can learn along the way. You just have to have faith in yourself and always want to learn. Don't think that you know everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And investing yourself, you know, that's one of the biggest things is like, you're going to have to spend money to invest in yourself. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, and I always equate it to college. You go to college and you get this degree. So why do you think that when you're an entrepreneur or you're trying to learn outside of formal education, that it should be free? <laughs> right. You know, you get what I'm saying? Like you go to college and you'll spend $20,000, $40,000 for a college education. And half the time, most people don't even use those degrees that they get. Right. But when you want to, learn more about a craft that you choose outside of a formal education. You don't want to spend that money to invest in yourself. You know, I've spent thousands of dollars on seminars, events, um, just getting myself in the room mm -hmm. with people that I can learn from people that can help me to grow and getting the information that I need. And I never saw it as, Oh my God, this is too expensive. No, I I'm investing in myself. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be willing to do that as an entrepreneur. And if you can't afford it, you know, make yourself useful. <laughs> Don't think that somebody's going to give you free information just because you're asking for it. Because the people that you're asking for that information have worked hard right. to attain their level of expertise. They've worked hard to get the information and the knowledge that they have to be able to be successful at the business that they're doing. So when you're coming to them, asking them to, you know, pick their brain, don't think that you can do that free of charge and that they owe you to do that because they didn't do it free of charge. They invested their time and their money to get that information. And so you at least have to bring something to the table because it's, it, it's not business. If you are literally sucking everything from me and I'm not getting anything from you. Right. So can we talk about how to be smart about money? Because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, money comes in and out. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, you got to be smart about it. So what have been some ways that you have managed your funds? Okay. So I am, <laughs> I am, it's funny because I am like, the most frugal, generous person you could. <laughs> and my friends make fun of me all the time because I don't like to spend money. Like, unless it is, you know, again, putting money back into my business mm -hmm. or an experience that I can have for a lifetime. It's not in my budget. Yep. <laughs> like, it's legit not in my budget or food. You know, I'll spend my money on food. <laughs> same, same here. I'm already thinking about what am I about to grab for lunch? That's not right. Me. I'll spend my money on food experiences in my business. But like even last night when I was taking my daughter shopping, like, you know, I price compare. We went to Marshall's, we went to Target and I found the cheaper option. So, you know, one thing is to always price compare. When you are shopping for yourself, you know, don't keep up with the Joneses. I was literally just reading um, something yesterday about doing a financial fast. And one of the 
one of the things that the they had did a fat this person who was a blogger had did a fast for a whole year where they didn't buy anything new um they didn't download any new apps or anything that cost money and basically one of the lessons that they learned is that spending has a lot to do with ego right mm-hmm. so oftentimes we spend money because we want other people to look at us a certain way oh i'm going to go buy this $2000 $3000 Gucci bag so people can look at me a certain way mm-hmm. or I'm going to go buy this car so that people can look it's all ego driven a lot of it and so you know like for me I shop at Target I shop at Forever 21 you know like I am really like a budget baller per per se <laughs> And I think that you have to be really, really smart with money. And that's one of the things I learned in working in finance for so long and seeing people who couldn't pay their bills and, you know, were ruining their credit. I mean, and it happened to me. One of the biggest lessons that I learned about money was that you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't manage it properly, it means nothing. Um, When I was working two jobs, you know, I'm 25, 26. I think I'm balling. I'm making six figures. And then the bank laid us off. They closed our whole department. (laughs) So, um, you know, they offered me another job, but I was teaching full time and they wanted me to come work for them full time. And I wasn't giving up teaching because that was my chosen career. So, you know, they gave me a nice little severance package, but I was still spending, you know, like I was getting two incomes because, you know, the the money that I was getting from the bank was really like my disposable income. It was my play money, do whatever with money. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had my severance package and I'm still like, I'm out here balling. And then severance package ran out. I got sick. Um, and I was literally on medical leave at the bank. And so, you know, when you're on disability leave, you don't get your full paycheck. So I was only getting 60% of my income from working and there was literally a time I was driving a luxury car and I didn't have money for gas. And my house was about to be foreclosed on. And it was like, I remember having to borrow $50 from my sister. My bank had a negative $2 and 32 cents in it. And again, I was still making money. I just had mismanaged it so poorly. My credit was ruined. Now, mind you, for years, my credit was A1 because you work at a finance company, you can't have bad credit. Um, But it was kind of just like a snowball effect of things that happened to me that I did not plan for. And so the second time around now, when, you know, God has blessed me with financial freedom again, you know, my mortgage is paid till 2018. My car payment is paid till 2018. I will never again be stuck in a situation where I can't put gas in my car because I didn't pay attention to where my money was going. So that's the biggest thing that I can say to entrepreneurs is that pay attention to how you're spending your money, manage your money properly. When you get money, put it to the side, save it. You know, I used to always be, you know, when they used to say when I was in my twenties and they say, you should have six months of your income saved up. I was like, that could ne- that's never possible. Cause I was living check to check. But now I see that it is possible. So, you know, like I said, I pay th- I pay everything in advance because there's no way I'm ever going to be, my house is going to be in foreclosure again, or my car is going to be, re- you know, repossessed. I paid off every debt that I have. I don't have any debt besides my car and my house. 
I don't have credit cards. I don't have student loans. So when I started to get money, that's where my money went to, to become debt free and financially free. Because that's where most stress in life comes from when you're dealing with people. They stress about money all the time. Yeah. So that's my biggest thing. Manage your money properly. Pay attention to it. Your brand FBF proves that um, fitness is just not one size fits all. So how has that message contributed to your brand's growth, not only on social media, but also off? You know, when I first started FBF, it was funny because everybody was like, this is just a brand for big black girls. (laughs) (laughs) But that's really what it, that's really what, you know, it had started out. That's what people had had. So my mission was to change that, um, that image of my brand. And so I literally would start to seek out, you know, people of different races, people of different sizes and kind of change my message in the fact that, you know, FBF is all inclusive. This is for anybody who loves themselves enough to want to live the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that has no size to it. It doesn't matter if you're 140 pounds. It doesn't matter if you're white, Hispanic, Asian. It doesn't matter. If you are looking to be the best version of yourself, then that's what we're here for. And we can help you do that. So, you know, I just wanted people to know that, you know, fitness is not one size fit all because people will look at me and I am literally the, the fitness influencer that you would never expect. I went from, you know, five years ago being 198 pounds to currently right now weighing 247 pounds due to, you know, illnesses. And, you know, at the time I was training six days a week and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, my doctor told me, he said, if you, they told me to stop training two years ago because I literally had destroyed my body. You know, athletes have horrible bodies when it all is said and done at the end of the day because they work their bodies. So I was literally training six days a week and I was getting, you know, knee injections, back injections, just so I could keep training because I was like, how can I have this fitness brand but be gaining weight and not be able to work out? So it kind of did a number on my ego and on my security because I kind of felt like my body was betraying me. Um, But that just allowed me to shift my message kind of. And it's like, no matter what life throws at you, you never give up. Because literally for the past six years, whether I've been 198 pounds or 247 pounds, I've been consistent in my message. And that, you know, okay, the doctor said I can't train anymore. I swim now. I get my behind in the pool every day. Because ultimately the goal is to be healthy, not to be a certain size. And so that's what I want people to know. Well, what does a successful day look like for you? Like when everything is perfect and just goes right, what does your day like? A successful day is, you know, I get up around 530. Um, I read, I meditate. um, I check my social media, of course. (laughs) Get my daughter to school on time. If we can get her to school on time, that's that's an A+. Um, Then I go to the gym, get my workout in for an hour at least. 
And then I come home and I come to the office and I start to work. So, you know, a good day is if we have like a hundred or so orders, <laughs> that's an amazing day. And if everything can get out on time, all, excuse me, all emails are answered, um, all orders are out. You know, we have high social media engagement because that's another thing that, you know, drives our business and so when all of those things kind of fall together it's like oh today was a good day um (laughs) and amazingly I've been having a lot of good days and I think uh, having a lot of good days comes from being consistent Mm. and um honing in on your craft and basic you know just perfecting the things that you do and not perfecting them but trying to get better I only try to beat myself from the day before I'm not looking on social media and looking at somebody else and seeing what they're doing. I'm looking at what we're doing over here. You mm-hmm. know, do we have members are our members losing weight in our weight loss challenge? Cause we still have our weight loss challenge, you know, um, are they losing weight? Are they being active? Are we having, you know, high engagement on social media? Are we beating our sales goals for the day? Are we beating our sales goals from last month? You know, those are the things. Am I able to speak to girls? Because not only do I have this business, but then I also have my I Love Her project where I go to schools and I talk to girls about self-esteem, body image, um, diet and exercise. So, you know, that's another thing. Am I getting booked? Are people calling me mm-hmm. to come and speak? That's all around what it takes to run this this small engine that could. <laughs> well, you're managing quite a bit. I mean, for the, for the looks of it, are there any apps or, or tools that you use that help you keep it all together? Um, my calendar. Okay. <laughs> so Google Calendar. Um, I'm really pretty. I'm an old school type of person, so I write everything down. Okay. So like, there is really just my calendar and trying to keep everything organized because I I, I often forget that I do have a brain disorder. So it's really, it's harder for me than it is for most people, but it's kind of really like just a part of my everyday life. Um, I'm kind of like the unorganized, organized person, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am definitely hiring. So <laughs> um, I'm hiring, yeah, hiring more staff because we need it. Um, just as we get bigger and bigger, because I'm blessed to still be in business six years later. Absolutely. Uh, how do you prioritize though, um, within your, your journal? Like, do you like color code or how do you know what you need to do first? I, I make a to-do list. And so mm-hmm. I kind of just start with whatever's at the top. It's not color coded. I just look at whatever's at the top, most important and work my way through it for the day. And then whatever I didn't finish from the day before goes to the top of the list the next day. Mm, um, okay. and then, you know, I just get it done. I just go through the list and I get it done and that gets everything else done. My mom always told me, she said, you know, everything you said you were going to do in this life you've done. And so I, I kind of always pride myself on being a person of my word. And if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And it's real simple. It's just a matter of getting it done and not making excuses. I think people find so many ways to make excuses. Like prime example, I just, you know, I have 
children. So I have to balance that as well. Um, I just came from taking my daughter to the dentist. And while she was at the dentist, I knew she was going to be there for a while. So I literally took orders with me so I could hand sign about 200 orders that had to be shipped out today. Hmm. Why did I take that time to do that? It's because, you know, when I started my business, I hand signed every order that went out. That's a part of customer service. And I'm always it's a practice of gratitude for me because yeah. people can choose where they shop at, where they, who they do business with. So I am always grateful that people still choose to do business with me. And so the act of writing, thank you on orders is just a, a reminder to me, but also, you know, that makes the customer feel special when they get a handwritten note in their package. Cause a lot of people mm-hmm. don't take the time to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I did that while I was waiting in the car, in the parking lot, you know, while my daughter was getting her teeth cleaned. And that's just a part of prioritizing and, you know, getting things done, even when you don't, you think you don't have the time to, you make the time to get things done. And people tend to make too many excuses. And so that's why they get so caught up in watching other people's lives. Yeah. Because while you're watching somebody else's life, you could be working on your life. Tell them. Okay. <laughs> Another excuse a lot of people make, I mean, obviously they make excuses about working out, but also reading. Um, mm-hmm. I know people in my circle, they're like, I just don't have time to read or I have to read too much for work. So I don't feel like reading for myself. Um, do you find time to ever read? And if so, like, what are some of your favorite books? I read every day. Um, I literally have two books sitting right on my nightstand. And this, this is just a suggestion for people who feel like they don't have time to do things. You know, make it a part of your day or if you don't. So for me, before I even get out the bed in the morning, I read, I meditate, and I pray. That's before my feet even hit the floor. And that takes about 15 to 20 minutes. And most times, most people, what they do is when they wake up in the morning, the first thing they go and grab is their phone, right? Uh They look at social media. You can take that time and invest it into yourself. So I have a daily, um, I guess you want to say like affirmation or um, a book that just has a daily reading. Those are always quick. You know, it's normally like a page. They're listed by date. So one of my favorite ones is... Um, right now I'm reading in due time. I believe that's what it's called. Um, and then, and that's by Iyanla Van Zant. And then I'm also reading how to be a badass at making money. That's on okay. my nightstand as well. So, um, I read that one before I go to sleep. So the first one I read in the morning, and then I also put myself on a sleep schedule. So, at around 11 o'clock, everything in my bedroom goes off. TVs, phones, all of that goes off. And then I read until I fall asleep. I read, and then once I get too tired reading, then I put, um, I have this Calm app on my phone that tells you like a, it's like a meditation, but they also tell you like bedtime stories. <laughs> oh, um, okay. They do. And, um, and I have, I play that. Because I have very bad insomnia. So, you know, I had to put myself on a sleep schedule. Um, so that's what I do. So I have my book that I read in the morning. Then I have my book that I read at night. And I have an Amazon list. Um, it's Amazon.com backslash shop 
slash FBF Fitness that has all my books on it because I love to read. Um, when I was in school, I like got awards for reading. So reading always <laughs> has always been something that I love to do. So I find the time to do it. And even if it's just 10 minutes, you can fit 10 minutes into your day to read something, you know, read something that you normally wouldn't read. This is how you expand your, your worldviews. Um, this is how you expand your tolerance for things that are different from you is by reading and, you know, looking at things you wouldn't normally look at on a daily basis or try to understand. So I think it's very important. And you mentioned earlier that your exercise habits have changed a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. what is your routine now? So now my routine, because I can't work out anymore. I can't train. Like this is like one of the, oh, the, the worst things that could have, I love to exercise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but now I swim. So, um, my morning routine, I go to the gym and, um, right now I am working my way back up to 20 laps in the, in the lap pool. And then I go to the sauna and then I do um, upper body, um, anything that is low impact um, and stretching. So it keeps me from being in pain, which is a good thing. And, you know, it keeps my heart active. I've been really working on my breathing um, with swimming. It's kind of hard when you I haven't swam in years. So getting back into it, perfecting my stroke, it's just something that I'm working on and I'm really excited about it. And then, you know, I have like all the cute little swim stuff because um, <laughs> I really feel like, you know, when you work out, you should invest as much in your workout attire as you do in your work clothes. I just yeah. feel like it makes you feel good. You know, when you're going to the gym, if you go to the gym and like ratty, worn out clothes, then that's kind of like how you feel that affects your mood. You know, mm -hmm. for me, it does. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like if you look good when you're going to the gym, it's going to make you feel good about going to the gym oh, and working yeah. out. What's always so, in your bag? What's, what are some things that are always in your bag? My earphones, always in my bag. My Apple Watch, always in my bag. Um, water, a protein bar, and whatever I'm working out in that day. So right now it's been, you know, my goggles, my swim shoes, my bathing suit, my towel, and then that's it. And I de always got to have music. Like always. Oh, what's on music. your, what's on your playlist? Um, so Cardi B. <laughs> of course. Of course. Cardi B is like the get hype, you know, workout playlist. I love her station on Pandora. My other playlist is Kanye West. Kanye West mm -hmm. Essentials on iTunes is one of my favorite playlists to work out to. So mm -hmm. that's what I like. That's so all so my, you know. Yeah, so many black girls are afraid of the water um, because, yeah. you know, they don't want to get hair. So what are you doing after you get out of the pool to make sure you don't damage your hair with chlorine? Um, I wear a swim cap. Okay. And I coat my hair in like a leave-in conditioner under my swim cap. Oh. Um, I have a different texture of hair and my hair can kind of like, um, be put through the ringer. 
with anything. Like I'm the person who can bleach their hair five times and it never falls out. (laughs) I'm like, lucky you. Yeah, that's me. Like that's me. Uh, that, that is me. So, you know, some things I can't suggest for other people because I know that, you know, their hair can't tolerate certain things. Like I wouldn't dare bleach my daughter's hair, but I know my hair where I can, you know, like literally, cause I have bleach on my hair now and I still go swimming. Um, but I would suggest, like I said, putting a coat of a leave-in conditioner on it. Um, wearing a swim cap, definitely. Swim caps don't keep your hair from getting wet, but they keep mm-hmm. them from getting as wet as they could get. Um, right. And then definitely putting on, you know, as soon as you're out the pool, washing and putting in a good conditioner. Okay. So food is so important when it comes to living a healthy lifestyle. What are some typical meals that you eat throughout the week? So right now I'm back on my juicing thing. Okay. Because I've been experiencing heartburn lately. Um, mm-hmm. And I've never experienced heartburn except for when I was pregnant. So I kind of like sometimes I do an elimination diet because I'm kind of allergic to everything. And so um, right now I'm juicing. But a normal meal for me um, would be a, some type of salad, some type of juice. I love Brussels sprouts, um, chickpeas I love as well. So anything that I can put like a chickpea and a Brussels sprout in, <laughs> I don't really eat like a lot of different stuff. If it's just not vegetables, you know, like cabbage, something I can make really, really quick. That's really simple. I love kale. I love cabbage. I do have this lentil soup that I make and I have like, um, I saute cabbage and I put it inside and it's, it's real simple. Like I'm a real quick and simple type of person. Um, I don't do a bunch of elaborate. I don't cook. I'm trying to cook more. I just got the skinny taste cookbook. Ah, how is it? Um, it's really, really good. I'm trying okay. to, I'm trying to cook more. And I told my daughter yesterday with her training for the 5k, I'm like, she likes to cook. Like I bought her her own little cook sets. I'm like, we're going to start making, you know, healthier meals for you. Because even though we eat healthy most of the time, she still likes to, you know, cheat per se when she's at her grandparents' house and things like that. Like we just went to the dentist today and she had a cavity and I'm like, and the dentist is like, is she drinking soda? I said, not at my house. Cause we don't even drink soda in my house. Right. But you know, when she goes to her grandparents' house, they mm. let her drink soda, let her have candy, all of those things. So and, and then, I think, and, and wait, and if they're anything like my children's grandparents, then they just let them like hang out and like not brush the sugar off right. the teeth. I'm like, right. at least tell them to brush your teeth. If you're going right. to feed them this thing. And then she just got braces. So I'm like, you're not even supposed to be eating this candy uh, <laughs> and all of those things that you're eating anyway, because you just got your braces on. So, you know, it, it's, but she's excited about the running. So this morning I made her, you know, she put her water in her lunch bag. She cut up some orange slices for her, um, for her afternoon snack when they're about to run. So literally, you know, my house is just full of fruits and veggies if you come in here and people hate it. They're like, oh, this is a healthy house. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have anything in here to eat. So like almonds, pistachios, cranberries. I'm very like a real, like a, a snacky eater, if that makes sense. Um, uh-huh. So anything that's just quick. And I'll okay. normally juice for like 
I'll make like five 20 ounce bottles of juice for the day. And so that's what I'll eat. And then I'll have like a meal at dinner. Okay. Now these are some rapid fire questions. Okay. Your number one cheat day meal is? Nachos. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Your go-to beauty products. Um, Fenty Beauty Foundation, uh, NYX Eden Red Lipstick, Mally um, Volumizing Mascara, and Anastasia Dip Brow for my eyebrows. All right. You knew that one quick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Favorite deodorant? Um, Crystal. It's the all-natural deodorant it's like a a crystal and you literally like wet it and oh <laughs> where do you get that amazon it's on my amazon list when i tell you my amazon list is amazing Ooh, i okay. curated this list because people kept asking me about all my favorite things and like literally you know with social media you get a thousand questions all the time what's this what's that what's that so i basically curated a list on amazon of all everything that i use everything uh. All the things that I just said are on that list. The deodorants on that list, everything. Okay. And when you hear the words, pretty girls sweat, what do they mean to you? To me, it means fun, sisterhood, just amazingness. You know, my daughter wears her pretty girl sweat all the time. It's just, I think it's something that, you know, girls can look forward to. And just being active and having a good time at being active. That's what it means to me. Thank you. And what's next for you? Well, we just launched a new product last week um, on Friday. Um, We have an FBF body oil that we just dropped. Nice. And we have an FBF shea butter that is coming out. Um. Yeah, so working on that, and I, I swear to God, this is going to be, I just told somebody yesterday, I was like, this is going to be in Target, Walgreens. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's funny because everything that I had at FBF literally came from a need for me to have mm-hmm. it. And so, like, I had really, really dry skin, um, suffered from eczema, and my best friend used to make me this oil. And I've been using this oil for about two years now, and it's amazing. And I was like, the people need this. Like, my people need this. Mm-hmm. So now they can get it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, and how do you feel that this product just stands out from its competitors? Well, see, I've tried literally everything under the sun. This product is, you know, it's moisturizing yet not heavy. It is um, for sensitive skin because I have very sensitive skin. It is going to, it's just an amazing product. It's like literally, it's amazing. I don't know. It's just amazing. It's like, it's, it's bomb. It's just, it's, just, it's just amazing. It's, it's just yeah. amazing and everybody needs to have it. That's, like, that's the same way I felt about my shapewear. And I was like, the funny, like, I had the shapewear, I used it, and I was like, this is amazing, everybody needs to have it. And, like, we literally sell, like, thousands of shapers per month. So. Oh, wow. So that's, you would say that's your most successful product to date? Yes, it is. Wow. It is. And it, again, and I always say, I think God made me gain weight so I can. 
God's always behind you. Always God is back. always behind me. You know, like literally, I'm always like everything happens for a reason. You like I I don't know what else. You know, it's it's nothing but God. Nothing but God. And if you could leave this conversation today, just giving everyone one last word or just one message or piece of advice, what would that be? Love yourself. Um, I really feel like loving yourself is the foundation of having a fulfilled and happy life because you can think that things are going to make you happy and enhance your life, things, people, relationships. You can think that all of those things are going to, you know, make you happy. Oh, if I lose 10 pounds, I'll be happy. If I get married, I'll be happy. If I, you know, make six figures, I'll be happy. If I'm a millionaire, I'll be happy. Um, But if you don't love yourself at the root of it all, none of those things are going to make you happy. So, you know, love yourself first before trying to love anybody else. And I say that even your kids, like, because you're no good to yourself if you don't love yourself. You're no good to anybody else if you don't love yourself. So that would be my ultimate thing. Love yourself. That's Zakia. Follow her on Instagram at FBF Fitness and visit her website, fbffitness.com. Just one more thing before you take off. Do you want to get a short email from Pretty Girl Sweat every Monday and Friday that serves as a daily dose of all things inspiring and allows you priority access to our upcoming events? Just go to prettygirlsweat.com. That's prettygirls with an S, sweat.com. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. And if you sign up, you'll soon discover that there's no hood like sisterhood. Until next time, always remember that good things come to those who sweat.